if you want to avoid all the sickness this winter, the snotty noses, the coughs, the colds, the sleepless nights, the fevers, the Panadol and the antibiotics, the ear infections, the grumpy, tired kids, the days off work and school and childcare, are all those memories of last winter coming back? I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way this winter. I have a free online masterclass, three simple ways to boost your kids' immunity to avoid a winter full of sickness. It's on demand, meaning you can register and watch it straight away or watch it at a time that is convenient for you. Head on over to naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune and you will be able to sign up. In the masterclass, I am covering our natural, simple and effective approach to avoiding winter infections, how to boost your family's immunity with our proven three-step naturopathic strategy that is really easy for you to implement as a busy mum. We're going to talk about the immune depleters that you need to avoid so you're not wasting time and money building up your kids' immunity that is just being depleted by these common foods and environmental factors. I am sharing heaps of practical tips. I promise it will be an hour well spent. You can register again at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune. I can't wait to hear how you find it and to give you the tips to make this winter healthier. Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health, and I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the Natural Super Kids podcast. Jessica Donovan here. Thrilled to have you with me today for this all important topic on parasites. Now, this can be a little bit squirmy for people. I find this topic really fascinating and I cannot believe we have not covered it on the podcast yet. So excited to dive into this with you. And I just want you to remember that as humans, we are a whole ecosystem of different organisms. And we have different microbiomes with lots of different, you know, bacteria and fungi and viruses and all kinds of things um, live and reside within our bodies. And of course, then there are going to be these opportunistic creatures, in this case, parasites, that kind of can come in and cause havoc on our systems. And sometimes they can be there and not cause havoc, which is a really interesting part of this conversation as well. So a parasite is an organism that lives in or on a host. And in this case, we're talking about us as humans. And the parasite gets its food either from or at the expense of its host. So as you can imagine, that can cause a whole range of problems. And so in today's conversation, I want to focus on two really common gut parasites or digestive parasites that we commonly see 
here at Natural Super Kids and in the community as a whole. And they are Blastocystis hominisis and Diantamoeba fragilis. So these two are really common. Some of you may have had these come up in parasite tests or stool tests before. And so today's conversation is going to be focusing on these two parasites um, and some information about them and what we can do about them. And I find this really fascinating. So I'm going to shorten these names and and talk about these two parasites as Blastocystis and Diantamoeba. Now, a really interesting thing is that what the research tells us is that Um, you know, these parasites aren't always a problem. Some people, many people can live without any symptoms um, when these parasites are coming up as a a positive test result um, in a stool test. So, the research, you know, it's not clear as to why these parasites can be a problem for some people and not for others. But as we go through this conversation, you know, you'll learn more about this and our approach at Natural Super Kids to kind of getting on top of these parasites. So let's first talk about some of the common symptoms of these parasites. So the ones we we often think about and and can, you know, commonly be present are the, the chronic digestive symptoms. Now, the most common symptom with parasites is some sort of abdominal pain. It's very common to have some sort of pain, but this can be really hard to distinguish in children because lots of kids say they've got a sore tummy. Um, you know, when they're just feeling a bit off, feeling a bit unwell, they might have a bit of anxiety, they might be worried about things, but that ongoing abdominal pain is a really common symptom of a parasite infection. And then, of course, there can be diarrhea. Another symptom that's not as as um, kind of well-recognized as um, a symptom to do with parasites is constipation, chronic constipation. So, it's not always the diarrhea um, that is presenting as a symptom with, with parasites. Constipation can be a problem as well. And then, of course, there's that alternating bowel symptoms. You know, when, when bowel movements aren't regular, they can be loose and um, you know, diarrhea like one day and then they can be constipation the next. So that's a common uh, symptom as well. And there can be some vomiting, but that is a less common symptom. But then there are some more vague symptoms. So you can have nausea, there can be fatigue, headaches, a loss of appetite. But again, this can be really hard to pull apart in kids. You know, are they just a fussy child or have they got a loss of appetite because of a parasite? There can be bad breath or halitosis as it's otherwise known. And another big one is iron deficiency and other nutrient deficiencies. And this makes sense, right? When I said that a parasite gets its food from or at the expense of its host. So when we've got gastrointestinal parasites, they are you know, leaching food and valuable nutrients. And this is a problem for everyone, but particularly in children who really need those nutrients because of the, the you know, the rate of growth and development that they are going through. So iron deficiency is a common symptom of a parasite infection, but can be linked with lots of other 
problems as well, um, or there can be other causes, I should say, of iron deficiency, but other nutrient deficiencies as well. So, um, you know, research suggests that parasitic infections are thought to contribute to, to child malnutrition and micronutrient deficiency through subtle reduction in digestive digestion and absorption and chronic inflammation and loss of nutrients. So it's not just that the parasite is taking nutrients away, it's causing inflammation within the gut which reduces that absorbability. It can parasites can reduce the um the capabilities of the digestive system. So there's there's all of these kind of problems that are caused that then lead to nutrient deficiency. And iron is the one that's often picked up. So if your child has a chronic iron deficiency and you're just not able to get on top of it and you're feeling like their iron intake is sufficient through foods and maybe supplements, then parasites are something you might want to be thinking about. Another really common symptom in children is irritability and behavioral changes. So There was a piece of research that I looked at that said infected children are less active, infected by parasites, are less active. Their behavior is said to be sluggish and both mental and physical activities and processes appear dull and slow. A reduction in available energy is likely a cause uh, to cause a cascade of events running through most aspects of the host's daily mental life and behavior. So I think that really helps to, I don't know, see how parasite infection can lead to irritability, behavioral changes, that kind of sluggishness that's often um, contributed to the iron deficiency. But why is there iron deficiency in the first place? So we do have podcasts on both Worms, which is a good link in with this um, episode. So I'll make sure that is linked in the show notes, but also we do have a blog post on iron deficiency. So I'll make sure that those resources are linked in the show notes so that you can have more of a read of of those um, areas as well. So the other um, interesting research that I found on the link between intestinal parasites and behavioural problems was a piece of research that was done um, on a internationally adopted children. And it says that uh, intestinal parasites may be associated with later behavioral problems in internationally adopted children. So children that did have parasite infestations or infections had higher behavior and emotional problem scores even years later than children without parasites. So that is really interesting. And I'll make sure that I link to that piece of research in the show notes as well. So they're the sorts of signs and symptoms that we are looking at. And as you can see that, you know, this can be really hard to to figure out. And this is why parasites can often go un diagnosed and untreated because these lots of these symptoms can be linked with other problems and issues and causes so it's not always you know immediately thinking about 
parasites. So let's talk about the two parasites that I want to focus on today, the dientamoeba and the blastocystis. So dientamoeba is more common in young children, toddlers, up until about eight years old. It is really common. You can definitely have it in kids and adults later on, um, but it is the, the parasite that's more common in the young children. And there's some really interesting research being done um, that links worm infestation. So the the you know the common threadworm or pinworm to dientamoeba. So this is uh, th- this is something I've just come across recently, and um, it suggests that threadworm could be a vector for dientamoeba. So that means that the threadworm could be transmitting the the parasite dientamoeba from person to person. So there's so much in this that, you know, we're only sort of just scratching the surface and starting to understand what could be going on here. But with those people that, you know, are really just not being able to shift the dientamoeba, it could be, you know, linked up with worm infestation, which again is really common in children. So blastocystis, on the other hand, is more common in teenagers and adults, and the incidence of blastocystis increases with age. We're not really sure why, um, but the the fact that microbiome diversity decreases over time with age unless we take really good care of our of our microbiome diversity could be part of the picture there and why blastocystis might then have the opportunity to kind of um take hold in the digestive system because as we're going to talk about in a moment, you know, that gut environment is a really important part of the picture here when it comes to parasites. So how do we get infected with parasites? Really simply, it is exposure to contaminated food or contaminated water. And one of the huge, huge um, pieces of this puzzle is the the water that we're drinking, particularly tank water. Now, there's more and more of a shift towards drinking rainwater, tank water, um, to move away from the chemicals that might be found in tap water. Uh, but tank water is a really common source of exposure for these kinds of parasites. So if you are drinking tank water. You need to be testing it regularly. I would also recommend getting, you know, some some parasite stool testing regularly as well, cleaning your tank water regularly, um, and also looking at where the water is coming from, i.e., you know, shed roofs or house roofs, and making sure that those areas are clean. Um, and, you know, filtration in tank water is really important as well. That's definitely not an area of expertise for me. Um, but that is something that you definitely want to look into when you are, when your family is drinking tank water. And really interestingly, you know, the um, children often become sick first when it comes to these kinds of parasites. So if the family's drinking ta- tank water and the children seem to be, you know, a bit off, uh, then it probably won't be long until the adults uh, start being um, affected as well. 
So tank water is a huge source of contamination, probably the most common one that we see. Um, and then, of course, there's that uh, contamination through food as well. And this is really common in overseas travel. It's always something that I'm, you know, talking to, to, to clients about is, you know, have you traveled overseas? When did you travel overseas? You know, parasite infections can be really common after overseas infection. And particularly if there's been gastro bugs like barley belly and that sort of thing, um, because again, the, then the gut is vulnerable to infection and that's where parasites can kind of take hold. So overseas travel, particularly we see it in, you know, those Southeast Asian countries, Indonesia um, and other, other Southeast Asian countries. Uh, so if you are going to travel in those areas, um, you know, just being really careful about the food and water that you consume, but also, as I do, travel always with, um, you know, some good prebiotics and probiotics. Um, and we can certainly help you with recommendations for those in express consultations that we do here at Natural Super Kids online. So how do we get rid of, well, first of all, let's talk about testing. So um, testing for parasites is fairly straightforward. Um, you know, you can do a stool test. Uh, you can do a fecal PCR test, like a one-off sort of PCR test, which is covered under Medicare. So that can be a really great place to start. But there is more. Um, Rachel Arthur, who's a naturopath that's very well versed in this area, is talking more and more about how the three-day um, parasite tests are more efficient and parasites can be picked up in those that aren't being picked up in the one day test because of the way, you know, that parasites um, can shed. And so, so from day to day, the, the, the level in the testing can, can vary quite a lot. So doing it, doing testing over three days can, you know, pick things up. So if you've done the, the one-off parasite sort of fecal PCR test and it hasn't, has come back negative, but you're sure, or there's still signs and symptoms, then you might want to look at doing, you know, the three-day um, more comprehensive test. So once a parasite has been picked up, and as I said, these are really common, um, you know, the blastocystis, the diantamoeba, and people don't always have symptoms. So there can be people that are infected that don't have symptoms and then another person that is infected that has quite chronic symptoms. And why is this? So we're not sure exactly. And, you know, the research kind of is is un I guess like unsure really as to why hasn't sort of found any particular um reasons that this might be the case. But naturopathically we know that terrain, the the gut environment, that all important microbiome is so, so important. And so when um you know we're working with clients and sharing information, we're always really interested in the history of someone, you know, how were, how was a child born? Were they born um, vaginally or were they born by a C-section? Were they breastfed? Were they formula fed? Did they have antibiotics in early life? Was mum given antibiotics through um, the labour? What's their diet been like? What's their history of medication been like? You know, how long have digestive symptoms been present? Has there been 
uh, or what sort of exposure to chemicals and toxins has there been? All of these things really help us to build a case naturopathically as to what that gut environment, what that terrain might be like. Because of course, all of the things that I've mentioned can affect um, either negatively or positively that gut microbiome and that terrain, that gut environment. And when there is issues or like a low diversity in the gut microbiome or the gut environment isn't as healthy as it could be, it leaves it vulnerable to infections from things like parasites. And when we're looking at parasites in children, we want to be really careful about how we are treating them. So if you go to a GP, they're generally going to recommend antibiotics for treating parasites. And look, there is some, you know, like some um, truth in in the fact that antibiotics can be helpful. But the other thing that antibiotics do is they are reducing that diversity within our, our gut microbiome. So they're reducing the health of that gut environment. Um, so, you know, and the other thing is they're not always effective. There is some, you know, antibiotic resistance happening with parasites. So there's often, we see it, we see it fairly common here at Natural Super Kids where um, a child is, is diagnosed with one of these parasites, they're put on antibiotics and um, they it might initially clear and then it's sort of back later because we've done nothing to address that the core problem, which really is that that gut environment um, isn't as healthy as it could be. So it's still vulnerable to infection. And of course, there could be still be that source of infection, particularly if it's through tank water or something like that. So we want to be first and foremost looking at optimizing the gut environment, restoring the gut microbiome, optimizing digestive function. Um, and this sometimes can be enough. Actually, often this can be enough, like working on um, building up that healthy gut function and that really nice diversity within the microbiome. So getting lots of good, healthy species of bacteria within the microbiome and helping those thrive with prebiotic fibers. So this is first and foremost, you know, the sort of treatment that we are looking at when it comes to parasites in children. And we have managed to see parasites being cleared just by working on that gut environment, which is really ideal. The next step would be to look at um, potentially some antimicrobial herbs. Um, so there are some really great herbs that we have in our toolbox that are antimicrobial, antiparasitic. So these can be really helpful as well. Compliance with these in kids can be a little bit of an issue because they, you know, the liquid forms don't taste great. Tablet forms, younger kids might not be able to take. Um, so we're always looking at, you know, way at, at that compliance issue when it comes to children as well. And so when it comes to treating parasites, of course, we want to be working with a practitioner. Um, but first and foremost, and something you can get onto in terms of optimizing your child's gut environment, their gut microbiome, is some really good quality probiotics, strain-specific probiotics, and prebiotic fibers to optimize the growth of that healthy, good bacteria. So we're always about, you know, 
patient-centered care. So, you know, it's not it's not as easy as saying, you know, this is the treatment protocol for parasites and every person needs to do that. It's looking at every individual person and what's going to be best for those. But what we do know is that the probiotic Saccharomyces boulardii is the, you know, one of the um, really great strains to be using in parasite infection and can be a, a great probiotic to be using um for lots of different reasons, for for traveler's diarrhea, for example, um, it is really effective. So Saccharomyces boulardii is one that is really helpful for parasites. And the other one that I really like to use is the Lactobacillus rhamnosus, GG. Um, So those two probiotics together can work really well as a good starting point for, you know, really starting to optimize that microbiome. And then prebiotics, as I said, are really important as well. So prebiotic fibers can um, we can get through dietary sources and also supplement forms as well. And look, kids' diets these days, mainstream diets are very low in fiber in generally, and particularly these prebiotic fibers. So if you're wanting to know more specifics about prebiotic fiber, food sources, make sure you download our Kids Gut Health ebook. It's completely free and we've got a big list of prebiotic fiber foods in there and lots of tips for improving this gut environment, the microbiome diversity. Um, But prebiotic fibers are found in things like leek and onion um, and garlic and uh, fr- you know, fruits and vegetables and different grains. So rye um, is high in prebiotic fibers and oats. Uh, so these are the sorts of foods that you want to increase in your children's diets. If their digestive symptoms get worse with an increase of these fibers, you know, there can be other digestive issues going on. So we want to be making sure that we're, you know, addressing those as well. But that hopefully is a good starting point for you. And as I said, make sure you download our Kids Gut Health ebook for more information on getting started. But when it comes to parasites, really important to be getting, you know, professional support. Um, it can be a bit of a, a a long road for some people getting on top of parasites. The great thing about children is that it's generally easier and quicker to get on top of than it is in adults who potentially have had the parasites for a lot longer than children might have had. So that's a positive. But as a parent, you know, it's really important to be getting that support um, from a practitioner through this this journey as well. And I just lastly want to mention, you know, some red flags. So I do recommend heading to your GP if you do have any kind of um, any questions or incident, like are thinking that parasites are a problem for your child and you can, um, you know, ask for a parasite test at your GP, but you particularly want to be bringing any of these kind of red flag signs and symptoms up with a GP. And they are, if there's ever any blood or mucus in the stool, um, if your child is losing weight, which can be definitely a, a thing that happens with parasite infection, or if they've got chronic diarrhea um, that's kind of going on and on and on because obviously there's that re- that real risk of, of dehydration and that needs to be get on, gotten on top of as soon as possible. 
So I hope this has really helped you to learn more about these common gastrointestinal parasites that we see so commonly in children and in the population as a whole, and given you some some ideas of kind of where you can get started um, in terms of, of treating and addressing these parasites. And we can always help here at Natural Super Kids. I'll make sure I pop the link to our appointment page, which all our appointments are done online. So not really nice and convenient no matter where you are. Um, and I'll, yeah, you can check out all of the details of those in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear from you if you enjoyed this episode. Send me a message, a DM on Instagram over at Natural Super Kids. As I said, I'd love to hear from you and how you found this episode. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com, for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week. Before you go, don't forget about my free online on-demand masterclass, Three Simple Ways to Naturally Boost Your Kid's Immunity to Avoid a Winter Full of Sickness. I'm sharing my practical tips on ways that you can strengthen your whole family's immune system to avoid the onslaught of winter infections so your family can stay healthy and well this winter. You can sign up at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune.